This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3511 for Monday the 17th of January 2022. Today's show is entitled, Podman-like Vagrant and is part of the series, Virtualization. It is hosted by Klaatu and is about 19 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is, this is how I use Podman on the desktop. Hey everyone, this is Klaatu. Remember back in episode 1522 how I talked about Docker and Linux containers? That was a long time ago, and lately I've been using Podman, which is a demonless container image, or a con- container engine, um, a lot like Docker in that its command structure is, is exactly like Docker. It is a, it can be a drop-in replacement for Docker. So I've been using that quite a lot, and uh, I also quite like the licensing of Podman. It's a lot clearer, and I feel like it's a lot more stable, like the licensing uh, policy, than Docker. Docker has always confused me in terms of what's open source, what's not open source, what's Moby, what's Docker. Kind of difficult to be sure. So Podman doesn't really have that confusion. Podman is an open source project. That's what it is. You don't have to navigate any exceptions or swarms or anything that you're not clear about. So Podman has been really nice for me, and lately the reason I've been using it a lot is because Vagrant kind of fell over for me. I shouldn't say that. Vagrant didn't fall over. The platform upon which I am running Vagrant and Vagrant itself have decided to disagree. It's something to do with a local SSL library that Vagrant ships with their distribute with with the the package that they that they provide, um, which normally I would just ignore. But I want to use typically a libvirt plugin with Vagrant, and so I have to use the current hashy hashy core version of Vagrant in order for that plugin to work. But there's a conflict with my system SSL versus Vagrant's SSL or 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 Ruby rather that Vagrant uses. So, and it, that's the embedded Ruby in the Vagrant package rather than the Ruby on my system. So there's a lot of kind of local things that Vagrant apparently does that if you get it onto the wrong system, it just won't work because the they did like this sort of partial almost all there but not quite all there distribution of the of the application. So I guess it is Vagrant's fault actually. Um and and I I had been using Vagrant to fire up quick virtual machines to just to run a, a, a test, you know, like if if I don't know how something works on, say, Debian, but I want to see, you know, I don't want to compare how it works on on my Fedora machine, then then I, I would just use Vagrant to grab a Debian image, uh, a Debian box, I guess, in Vagrant terms, and then and then drop into a Debian terminal. Uh, it's, it's pretty quick because it's very minimal. It was one of the nice features about Vagrant, and, and that just hasn't been working lately. So I, I spent a day trying to fix the the Vagrant issue, but I, I I finally decided after after wasting a day on it that it was not worth it, and that what this really was was a, a note for me to start using containers for stuff other than Kubernetes, like a- actually just start using desktop containers, which I'd kind of started doing anyway with Fedora Silverblue in a way. So I, I felt like containers were probably the the right and the easy answer. So here's what I do. Here's the workflow with Podman. I mean, it's really just a question of workflow. Podman 
more or less, and and Linux containers, I mean, if you're used to them, then they probably are already working for you. If you're not, though, Podman actually is a really easy entry point into actually useful containers. Because it is an interesting quirk of containers that if you're not running a server with a bunch of what would have been normally virtual machines running on that server, then you probably haven't replaced those virtual machines with, or you probably have replaced those virtual machines, or you may have replaced them with with containers. But if you're not doing that, if you're not running a server, then containers, you know, for a desktop user... They're they're quite possibly just not useful. So I mean, certainly for me as a desktop user, like the the thing I would use virtual machines for was when some new distribution came out, and I just couldn't couldn't stand to not see what its desktop library uh, desktop wallpaper was. So I would fire up a virtual machine, install the the distro, go through the install steps just to kind of get a feel for what they're doing for their install, and look at the wallpaper, and then close the 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 virtual machine and never reopen it again. Containers doesn't it doesn't generally unless you go to a lot of trouble they don't give you that sort of satisfaction. So you're you're probably just running a, a minimal environment in a container and why do you do that as a desktop user? I mean you've got a you've got an environment. It's your terminal. You don't need a container for this. So containers kind of I think are a little bit that they kind of languish on 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 a lot of desktop users desktops because you you just don't use them. But Podman and a and a minimal container it can actually be apparently really useful for like I say if you if you just want to compare hey does this does this thing work also on this other distro that I'm not running well a container can tell you that or if you want to try something that could potentially be rather destructive to your actual system then you could fire up a container and do your crazy experiment in that container, maybe mess it up, who cares, doesn't matter, when you close it, it's going to be gone anyway, or maybe it'll work and now you've confirmed that the crazy experiment that you want to try indeed does does function. So, a couple of different steps. One is to install Podman. Got to do that first. Second one is to configure Podman. And then the third step is, of course, to to run a container and, and do something in it to actually put it to use. So the first first step, installing Podman, that's easy. If you're on Fedora or CentOS or RHEL or whatever, Podman's probably already there, to be honest. Other distributions, Magia, something like that, you might have to do like a sudo DNF install Podman on Debian or Ubuntu. apt-get, no, not apt-get, apt, sudo apt install. I knew there was a cadence there. I just forgot to start with sudo. sudo apt install podman. I don't know if you have to add a repository for that these days or not, but um, it's it's a pretty quick install. Like I say, podman is open source, so there's no weird... You, the, people don't have to hide it away in some offshore repository. It's just, it's just a container engine that's open source. So grab that from your repository, and now you need to configure it. You can try to see if it gets auto-configured correctly by just running podman space run space dash it space busybox. That is the podman, well, the podman run dash it is the podman and docker um, command to run a container and to open a, an interactive terminal or an interactive prompt into that container. If you if you don't have the dash it, then you'll run a container. The container detects that it has nothing to do, and it closes immediately. 
So that's not very useful. Uh, so podman space run space dash it is kind of the incantation you'll want to remember. The the busy box there at the end uh, just says for tells podman to reference its little list of short names and to resolve busybox. Busybox is a common enough container that it lives on several different container registries online, and Podman is it is able to reference that short name, discover a valid busybox image out there on the internet, and it'll pull it down very quickly. It's a very small container, and, and it'll run it for you. So you'll be dropped into a little uh, root prompt in a busybox container. You type in exit to leave that container, but you now know that Podman does indeed work. If that does not work, and I'd say there's a good 50 to 70% chance that that doesn't work, then you need to add some additional UIDs and GIDs, group IDs, to your user. So naturally, generally, the way users are created on, on Linux, you get one UID, and, and that is the one that you've been assigned usually by default when creating your account. So usually it's like a thousand, but I mean, maybe you, maybe you put in your own UID. Whatever it is, it's an UID. It's one UID. So you need more for Podman because Podman's going to want to run a bunch of things that you're, as a user, you normally don't launch yourself. So to do that, you can do sudo space user mod space dash dash add dash sub UIDs. And I usually start at 200,000. So two zero 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 dash two six five five three six. There's some reason that 65,536 is a sort of a, not a magical number, but it's a magical number. It's, it's, there's some significance to that number. I forget what it is, and it hasn't really annoyed me enough to actually look it up. But it's some upper limit of some attribute, probably a syscuttle thing. Anyway, space dash dash add dash subgids 200,000 dash 265,536 space your user ID, so, or your, your username, sorry, Klaatu, or, or whatever your username is. So that's sudo user mod dash dash add subuids 200,000 to 265,536. Space dash dash add sub gids two hundred thousand to two six five five three six space clatu. You do that, and what that actually does is add an it adds an entry to slash etsy slash sub uid and slash etsy slash sub gid with uh, essentially the starting number two hundred thousand and then the upper limit, which is sixty five five three six. So you can actually just if you wanted to, you could just edit that file cat etsy sub uid yeah so clatu colon two zero 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 colon six five five three six just colon separated values with username starting point upper limit and do that with uh slash etsy sub uid and slash etsy sub gid either way once those once that has been established then you can either reboot or log out and log back in whatever gives you confidence that the the, the modifications to your user have been have been integrated, and then you can finally use really use Podman. And again, a, the quickest, easiest test for that is just Podman space run space dash it space busybox. If you get a prompt, a, a little root prompt in in a busybox environment, then then you know that you're 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 good, you're gold. So you again t- type exit if you got yourself there, so that you're back out into your normal environment and. We've now done two of the three steps. So one was get Podman, two was configure Podman, three is 
run it, run run Podman. And I mean, technically you've already done that, but I'm going to talk about how I do it because it is a little bit, not different, but I mean, it's specific. It is specific to, to the sort of the use case that I'm describing here. So what I do is I do Podman, Podman space run space dash IT. No, actually, you know what? First, I'm going to do this, Podman search Debian. And that looks all over the internet at a couple of different known container registries like Docker and key.io and Fedora project dot something or another. A couple of them out there that searches all those for an image called Debian. And the top hit here, which I'll just accept, is docker.io slash library slash Debian. And I, I don't know what version of Debian. It doesn't really say, but it doesn't matter for this for this example. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to make a directory in my current... I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a folder that I call pod scratch. P-O-D-S-C-R-A-T-C-H because it's just kind of a scratch area for my podman activities. And I'm going to make a directory here called data. D-A-T-A. It's an empty directory and you'll see why in a moment. And then I'm going to do podman space run space dash it space space volume dot slash data colon slash storage colon capital Z or Z space and then what was it docker.io slash library slash Debian. So I'm running that command and what that is is doing while I'll talk while it's pulling down the Debian image. uh, What that does is it the the dash dash volume attribute uh, option looks it, it finds my local data directory which I just because I told it to dot slash data that's that's that directory and then colon slash storage so what that does is tell it tells Podman to create a slash storage directory in, in the container that I'm running and to mirror that directory locally in the data directory. So I just made that data directory, so I know that it's empty. Debian has now been pulled down, so I'm, I'm, I'm now sitting at a root prompt in a container with a randomized, or a pseudo-randomized name, and I could do an ls, I could do an ls, no, I don't even have to do that, yep, just ls, and there I see there is a storage directory here at the root of my container environment. So I'm going to do a touch hello, no, not touch hello, I'm going to do a touch storage hello, and then I'm going to, I guess, exit, because that, I mean, that was it, that was running Podman. Um, but now if I, if I look in my data directory, which previously was empty, so this is my local environment, I have a data directory that I just made before running Podman, there's a hello file in that data directory now, and, and that's only there because I associated my local data directory with the storage container in my, with the storage directory in my container. The colon Z at the end, the capital Z, that is for SE Linux. It it makes, it ensures that the file contexts are adjusted to allow the container to put data into a local directory outside of its own namespace. Normally this should never happen, but the colon capital Z ensures that all the permissions are adjusted automatically for me. So that's how I run my my um my my containers as if though they were virtual machines. And because of that little portal, that volume portal, I can I can put Im- I can put um files in in data and then grab them from my container. So for instance, I'll touch foobar 
in the data directory. So touch data foobar, and then I'm gonna just I'm gonna run the same command again. Podman run it dash it uh, dash dash volume dot slash data colon slash storage col or I could even call it um instead of storage I'll call it penguin colon capital Z Docker.io library Debian. Okay, instantly I get my root prompt at some random looking host name. I do an ls, and this time instead of a storage directory, there's a penguin directory. Let's look in the penguin directory. This time instead of just, well, previously there was nothing, now there's a foobar file and a hello file, confirming once again that, that that data location is completely shared between the container and the local host. So I'm going to type exit again. The container is destroyed. If I generated any data outside of the storage directory in that container, it would be, it's gone now. I guess I could demonstrate that really quick. So if I do a podman run it, volume, data, blah, then here I am in, in a new container. I'll touch a file called hacker public radio. So now I've got a big empty file at the root of my container called Hacker Public Radio. I'll do an exit, look in data just to make sure I didn't accidentally put it there. I didn't. It's foobar and hello is still just in there. Run podman again. I get yet a new container, new host name. I do an ls. There's a penguin directory, but there's no Hacker Public Radio directory because, of course, that was destroyed along with the container after I typed exit. So this is a great way. Like, if you're... If, if you do... Any kind of testing on, on more than one distribution. Podman is a, a great way to get a, a admittedly minimal environment of that, of that container, of that distribution, uh, running in a, as a container. You can interact with it in a couple of different ways. I, I, I say a couple of ways, just meaning you could run it and do some stuff, or you could run it with that little data, that volume option. And that way you have a, a sort of a data portal between your local host and the container. But I mean, there's also, I mean, there's lots of languages out there that talk to Podman. You know, there are modules for Python and others. I'm just kind of making stuff up now. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there are others. Po uh, Java, I know Java, uh, Python, and there's probably other. Oh, Ruby. There's definitely a Ruby, mo uh, whatever they call it, a gem for Podman. So yeah, there are lots of different ways that you could interact with this this environment, with this container. And yeah, for my for my money of zero dollars, it, it's been fantastic. I mean, it's it has made that sort of like that just that quick impulse of like, does this command work exactly the same way on Debian? Oh, yes, it does. Okay, cool. Exit. Never think about it again until I have that question again. Fire up the container. And it's just so quick. Um, it's, it's actually, I would, I would have to say it's easier than, than my old vagrant workflow. So that's Podman for your desktop, maybe, if, if that's the kind of things that you do on your desktop. That is, it's, I would say that has been the first sort of real, like, desktop-y kind of use case that I have had for a container so far. Like, that's, that's really been, aside from just, I guess, I guess you could argue making a little virtual network and, you know, kind of routing things in your virtual network. That's, that's a desktop activity as well. But this, this feels very desktop-y. Like, like it could just be something as simple as you're writing a shell script and you're just not 100% sure whether this location that's on your machine, it would also exist by default on a Debian machine or something like that. Then container. It's there. You can check. And then it's gone. Easy, quick, convenient, 
lightweight. Give it a shot. I think you might like it. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR is kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive, and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.